Happy New Week, everyone. It's a new week of TV channeling. I hope that you had a great last week and that the rest of this week will be great for you. This is, I'm so excited because we made it to lucky number 13. And I know for a lot of people, 13 is not lucky, but for me, it certainly is because that means we've made it to another week of TV channeling. Right, Mr. Kevin? Oh my God, yes, I am very excited. And you're right, Tachi, 13 in this case is a lucky number because when it comes to TV, when people get a 13-episode pickup, they are not they're not afraid they're not upset they are very happy and i am happy that we are doing our 13th episode yeah and also remember back in the day the old school televisions used to go to like channel 13 on vhf and then you would have to go down to the other dial for other uh, channels <laughs> yes <laughs> so that, that's an old school tv like our logo yes i know exactly what you're talking about exactly so 13 means that you have culminated the best of the best because you know vhf signals were better than uhf but i know we're probably talking a little bit beyond if there are any millennials listening <laughs> Well, we could do that thing that, you know, that a lot of hotels do. They have like a 12th floor and then they have like a 14th floor where we could just pretend that 13 didn't happen. And that is so, 13 always happens. Regardless if you call it 14 or 15, it's still sequentially the 13th floor. You're not fooling anyone, hotels. <laughs> you know, I think, I, I think they are fooling some people because why would they keep doing that? I, I think a lot of people don't even notice that there isn't a 13th floor on lots of, in lots of buildings. It's just like, there's a, oh, I'm on, the, I'm on the 12th floor and now I'm on the 14th floor. Well, that's the thing. They don't even notice because if you're going all the way up to the 14th floor, you're probably leaning against the wall of the elevator like, hurry up. So you're not even thinking about the fact that there's no 13. So it is what it is. But we're back for the 13th episode. We've been bantering. Allow me to introduce myself and then my co-host will introduce himself. I'm Tachi. And I am Kevin. And as we said, it's episode 13. So we should get right into the news, right? Yes. Okay, yes, I know Kevin is always waiting for me <laughs> to get well, to because the news. I know, I know the people, they wait all week. They are waiting with bated breath to try and hear what we have to say about what's going on in the world of entertainment. And all the people, all the powers that be out there that may be trying to stop us, I won't say who or what they are. Or if, they're, <laughs> if, if they've ever been in a movie that's called Mission Impossible, I'm not going to say it. So, Taji. See, wh- they probably forgot until you said something, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up old wound. You just ripped off the Band-Aid again. Okay, Taji. So, what's going on? So, unfortunately, we have two rest wells that we have to... Uh, it seems like... I think last week we had a... No, we didn't. Almost every week we've had to wish someone rest well. And, we did last uh, week, too, because last week yeah. we had to say goodbye to um, the host of uh, of uh, TCM. TCM, yeah, yeah. And so this week, is there's nothing different, unfortunately. It is a fact of life, and these two individuals led very long, fulfilling lives. So it's the tale of two Chucks. So we had the death of Chuck Berry, who passed away on Monday, who we'll know as the king of rock and roll, right? There's always this debate as to whether it's Elvis or Chuck Berry. But I think Chuck Berry pretty much can hold his own against Elvis any day. And he died at the age of 90, 90 years old. Wow. 
So he lived quite a life. He died at, according to the St. Charles County Police Department, which is in Missouri, he lived about 45 minutes west of St. Louis. He passed away um, on Monday and they confirmed his death on its Facebook page. So on the St. Charles County Police Department's Facebook page, they confirmed his death. I guess he was, of course, a well-known resident, so they kept tabs on him. And they, so they tried to, you know, resuscitate and life-saving messages, sorry, not messages, measures were not successful. So he, of course, became a pop star and a rock star uh, as a teenager, basically. And you'll know a lot. Can you name any Chuck Berry songs? Do you know any Chuck Berry songs? Not to save my life. Okay, well, people, if I say my ding-a-ling, people will know that as a famous Chuck Berry song, and I like, should I bring this up with Kevin, because I can see all sorts of jokes? I am not going to say, a war, the, uh, someone just died, so I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to resist the temptation respect. to say anything about the title of that song. Okay, okay, maybe a little later down the line, right? <laughs> but <laughs> my Diggling is a, a, a is one of his really famous ones, and if I'm not mistaken, Roll Over Beethoven is another one. So he's really, really well known, of course, in rock and roll circles. The king, as the king of rock and roll, and you will be. In fact, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, wasn't he the first inductee? I know that. I believe he was the first inductee, yes, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. So that's, he really made some inroads. So I'm proud of you, Brother Chuck. Thank you so much for your service in music. You will be missed. Moving on. Who is the the other Chuck? Oh, the other Chuck was Chuck Barris. Now, I know you, TV addict. I know you know the gong show. Yes, I have heard of the Gong Show, and um, I, I, yes, I did hear that he uh, passed away and forgot. So thank you for reminding me and everyone else, telling them a little bit about who Chuck Barris is. Yeah, absolutely. So Chuck Barris passed away at the age of 87 on Tuesday. So two Chucks, two people with the initial CB, a Chuck Berry and a Chuck Barris, died within one day of each other. How interesting is that? Yeah, basically, he was doing the original version of America's Got Talent. You're right. Or, you know what? They came... I'm trying to think of the name... What what year? Oh, 76 to 1980 was the gong show. So it was around... Did Showtime at the Apollo precede the gong show? I... I, You know what? I don't know if they were doing it uh, when it wasn't on television, but I thought that the gong show came before it. Now, were they doing something like... the? Were they doing the Showtime at the Apollo... The the Apollo Theater existed since, like, forever. So were they doing something like that and just not broadcasting it? Because I didn't think that they were broadcasting Showtime at the Apollo until, like, you know, the mid to late 80s. I want to say it was the 80s, but they had Showtime at the Apollo had always been a mainstay. So I think it was just, I'm trying to think in terms of when they started Oh, you know what? That's something. It may not have been in syndication, national syndication. Maybe it was airing. That's Maybe that's why you know it. Maybe Showtime at the Apollo was airing and only people that lived in the, like, New York State were able to see it or something. Yeah. 
okay, that that could be that could be it. But you know, two similar types of shows. Of course, one was uh, had a little more soul than the other one. But uh, basically, both dealt with having so, you know non talented people. The thing, the difference with the with America's Got Talent. Well, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't okay. It's what? the same thing it's because the exact too same many thing. Shows you had now. So, you had so called quote celebrity judges end quote i'm doing air quotes you people can't see and <laughs> <laughs> so there's that and um basically if one of the uh, judges was unhappy they had the power to make the person leave the stage uh the only difference with america's got talent is if they, it's three strikes and you're out so if, if each person no no one of the of uh, the judges has the ability by themselves to get someone off the stage Okay, so basically Simon Cowell got his inspiration from the Gong Show. So he really, for these types of competition programs, the Gong Show and I say, would say Showtime at the Apollo really laid the foundation for these types of uh, of shows, including Star Search, which came late, even though there were no bad performers really on Star Search. But, you know, the whole competition show thing that really kind of started in this era with Chuck Berry. Uh, Chuck Barris, excuse me, see? Too close together, so I apologize. But yeah, he, um, but he was an interesting character. He called himself the king of daytime television, but critics said he was either the king of schlock <laughs> or the baron of bad taste. That's my favorite, the baron of bad taste. <laughs> wow, that, that's quite a moniker. That's really harsh. <laughs> <laughs> so the Gong Show and Barris's other series were slipping. So he was the creator of the dating game. In case you didn't know. I did so not he, know that. Yeah, he created the dating game. The dating game came about in 1966. So it had been on for a while. So he created that and uh, some other shows as well. But his ratings started to slip. The show started to slip. And he sold his company for about $100 million in 1980s and decided to go into films. And the one film that he made was called... Actually, he made two. The one that I know is the Gong Show movie. And it was apparently a fail, huge failure because it only stayed in theaters for a week. That's less than Gem and the Holograms. Remember, they were only in the theater for like two weeks. I didn't even know there was a Gong Show movie. This is like, this is some hardcore trivia you're giving us right now. Yes, there was a Gong Show movie. He also wrote a book. His autobiography was called, or is called, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He wrote it in two months. And in it, he claimed to be a CIA assassin. <laughs> this, is, this is where the story gets strange. Wait, wait this is where? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm still stuck back on the fact that he sold his company for $100 million back in the 70s. That is... A hundred million dollars, in case anybody's wondering, is a lot of money right now. So I can't even fathom how much money that would be in today's money if you basically factored in for inflation a hundred million dollars that he got back then. That I am just my head is swimming with how rich that man was. Yeah, a hundred million dollars in 1980, and he actually lived in New York. He lived in uh, Palisades, New York. 
and passed away at his home there. You know, back then, New York still had a lot of production. They still have production today, but most of what you see produced in New York is news. Not like before where they were producing a lot of different things. You know, there's just no room in New York. (laughs) So that's why there's so many things that are shot out in LA. There's more space. You've got the beautiful blue, I mean, you know this, Mr. L.A., Yes, one thing we do have here is lots and lots of space. Yes, lots of space. So rest well, Chuck Barris. We enjoyed the gong show. I watched the gong show religiously. I loved it because I loved TV. So it didn't matter that I didn't understand uh, some of the stuff. Doesn't matter. It was TV. So I loved it. And they rang a gong. What more could you want? I was going to say, what is it there to not understand? <laughs> I didn't understand. But somebody, no, 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 no. When they sang bad, they hit the gong and they were asked to leave. <laughs> but you know, when you're when you're little, sometimes you don't have a, a concept of what terrible is supposed to be. Oh. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, they sound, you know what good sounds like, but it's like, okay, well, maybe they're trying to be funny. I don't get why they're gonging them. Okay, oh, well. All right. Well, I think we've already we've uh, recent events have proven that a, a lot of people are really bad judges of things that are really really bad. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh shade. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> let's move I'll, on. Let's move on. I'll really quickly talk about Beauty and the Beast. You know, they are they have been a beast in terms of the money that they've been able to garner. This is Disney's latest live action update of the cartoon classic in case you did not know and have been living under a rock covered with sheets lately. The first weekend, they garnered $170 million, uh, in their debut weekend. That sets a new record for March for a March opening and it solidifies Disney as the dominant player in the film business. Whether we like it or not, they are. No other company can match the streak that Disney is currently enjoying. And this is thanks to not just Disney itself, but a bunch of multi-billion dollar acquisitions. For example, Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilms. They're all under the Magic Kingdom label. Uh, uh, Family, not really label, but they're in the Magic Kingdom family. So, yeah, between all of those, Lucasfilms is what? Star Wars? Come on. Oh, yeah, they're, (laughs) they're, they're printing money. The, 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 I would love to know. Who the executive was, the first one to say, you know what? We really run out of movie ideas for animated films. What do you say we just remake everything that's an animated classic with live action and tons of CGI? That person has, I mean, they were a genius because it is amazing how well all of these have done so far. Every one of them has been some juggernaut, and each one seems to make more money than the one before it. And I know they're not angry at that. So <laughs> the one that's actually going to be really interesting is there's already talk now that they're going to be they're going to remake uh, the Little Mermaid live action. That is going to be spectacular oh. looking if they do it right. You sound really excited. <laughs> <laughs> And that's because I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I was going to invite you to come with me to go see it all. No, thank you. No, no thank you. <laughs> I don't even know that I want to see this Beauty and the Beast. I don't feel compelled to see it, although it's great that it's doing well. I I tend to be a purist unless you have a kick-ass script and a kick-ass cast. I'm usually like, just leave it alone. You know, go ahead and, and remaster it if you really need for it to look that sharp and clear. 
But I, you know, I'm the stupid one because they're they're guarding. Yeah, they you, guarded yeah, you would have been million. fired at the being the head, uh, being the head of development at Disney because when somebody came to you and said the idea, like let's make these in live action, you're like, no, nah, I think we should just remaster the animated ones. Thank you very much. Yeah, you you would have cost the company <laughs> billions upon billions. No, because of I like new ideas. I like to me, it's the easy way out to just say, let's just do this live action. To me, that's the easy way out. It takes more ingenuity to come up with a, a script that's awesome than to just redo something else so that yeah you're right i would be fired as the head because i like new stuff but good for you disney there are people who love it and in fact at this point uh worldwide they well surpassed probably by today the uh 220 million mark i'm sure so i they're they're doing well they don't need my help anyway well, it's just the idea that I mean, one of the things that Disney has going for it, how what it, how it classically dealt with this animated things, is each generation would reintroduce the thing that they grew up with to another generation. So they would just re re-release these movies every fifteen years or so. They re-release Pinocchio, and and then a whole everybody with who saw it with their parents would take their children to go see it. But now they get to do it doubly because of the whole uh, uh, Blu-ray, you know, DVD market and right. downloads. They're all the animated things. They're just dealing with that. Most of them that way. They're not re-releasing like Bambi to movie theaters for the most part. But uh, but the ability to re uh, remake all these uh, classic titles live action. I, I don't think they even I know they, they thought they're going to make money, no doubt. But I don't think they anybody foresaw how incredibly successful, you know, Cinderella, the Jungle Book. And also, they're, apparently, they're going to do a live action Lion King. These things are just like insanely successful. Yes. And good for them. I mean, what can I say? Like you said, I would have been fired as the head of development <laughs> for that because I would have been like, uh, uh make something new. So let's talk about their ticket sales. They were, of course, number one last weekend in the box office. They dominated ticket sales, which made Kong Skull Island, which I had no interest in seeing. It fell to 53% to 20, uh, $28.8 Wait and a then, minute. You don't want to see Kong Skull Island, but this Kong is even bigger than any Kong before him. Did I want to see any of the first Kongs? That's what you need to ask. Me. <laughs> <laughs> ask me, do I give a damn about Kong one, two, and three? But it's, before it's you more, ask me about this, but it's more than fifty percent more Kong. So <laughs> at this time with more Kong, no, no, thank you. You go and see it, and I'll cheer you on, Kevin. I, I'm, I'm your biggest fan. If you want to see it. Go ahead. I'll watch from afar. So <laughs> well, I, I won't be watching Kong on, on Skull Island until Kong is on HBO. So. Thank you very much. Exactly. There you go. And you've got HBO, so there you go. Yes. So Fox's Logan took third place, and then that made Get Out, which has been a huge juggernaut, slip to fourth place, which I still have not seen, which I absolutely want to see. I've heard so many great things about it. You know, after this, I might just have to take a trip to the theater. It's a weekday. Nobody will be there. So I'm going to go. Wow, that's saying something. Because the last movie I know that you went to see at a theater was Hidden Figures, right? You're absolutely right. Because I saw I saw Moonlight. But Moonlight, of course, remember, they released it to Blu-ray and DVD and uh, Video On Demand really quickly. So I was able to watch it uh, through Amazon. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to watch it, it's it's out there now. So that's what, you know, that made me think like, 
you know, shall I just wait? Because stuff comes out so quickly now that you can, if you wait a little while, because sometimes it takes me so long to get to the movies anyway because I'm so busy. So if I just waited, by the time I was ready, it would probably be on video on demand anyway. But there is a different experience in the theater, so... Yeah, I think when it comes to theater, for the most part, so, so many people now, their home theaters are so elaborate. They have such big TVs now that I think for a lot of people, I think that movie theaters are more about dates. <laughs> so if you if you have a date, then that's a reason to go to a movie theater. But if you don't have a date, I feel like it's just, it's a lot of money when I think you could be more comfortable at home. And if you have a really big TV, you don't have some kid crying in front of you. <laughs> you you have, a, I'd say, at least a 90% less chance of being shot. So... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, what movie theaters you go to. But... Well, you know, there have been some tragedies. I don't want to make bringing the show down any more than we already have with the opening. But um, there have been some stuff that has gone down in theaters. I mean, I think about that one man that, remember... There was a, uh, in, I'm not I'm even talking about the mass shootings in theaters. I'm talking about the, there, remember how there was an incident? I think it was somewhere in Texas or someplace where a guy, uh, was basically on his, uh, cell phone or something like that. And this other man was yes. upset about it and ended up shooting him in front of his wife because he said he was threatened because the man threw a popcorn kernel at him. So, you know what? No one has even threatened to shoot me when I'm watching a movie at my own house. Not once. Well, that's good. It shows you and live I've in been the right house. Th- and I've been known to throw popcorn and ask people to turn their cell phones off. See, well, this shows you live in the right house. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. No, but you that is something to think about. It's like, especially when these things happen, you're like, Ooh, I want to see this movie, but is it worth my life? And, so, worth, and just worth the cost, too. The worth the, the cost. cost. Is, and for people that have children, it's just like you have to pay for a babysitter, um, that kind of thing. And God forbid you want to buy like an $18 bucket of popcorn. So there's a lot of things that just add. So it's not just the cost of the movie. It's this cost of parking lots of places to go see a movie. So I think a lot of people factor those things in. And especially if you have a really sweet setup at your house where you have, I have, I know people that have some incredible setups with incredible screens and incredible sound. It, it'd be hard to turn that down for, uh, you know, for, you know, kids kicking the back of your your chair <laughs> yeah no i i get it i get it but there still is a really great ethereal experience that you get in the theater that you can't really get at home so i don't know sometimes sometimes i like to go especially because i i like to go by myself I'll do that a lot with film festivals where it's like they have all day things and I'll just go get my little popcorn and I'll bring like a, a big wrap or a blanket and I'll just sit and watch. It's fantastic. Aww. So, yeah, it does. It is. So let's talk a little bit about March Madness. I know you are not a best. Let me not say that. I just assumed because I thought you were not. Are you a basketball fan? Um... That means no. (laughs) You took too damn long. So I'm not really a basketball fan either, but I think this is... (laughs) 
Don't even try and clean it up right now. You've already hesitated. That means you don't give two dams about basketball. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I'm not like picketing against basketball or anything. So, But that's not the same as being a fan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, I'm not, well, I'm not out there picketing. That doesn't I'm not, trying, like. I'm not getting people, uh, people to sign petitions to get it banned or anything. So. Well, that's a live and let live attitude. So basically, <laughs> you don't give two dams about basketball. So but if, that counts, is, if that counts as support, then I would say, yes, I'm very supportive. Get out, Kevin! (laughs) This is not support. And you know what? If that's your type of support, I'd hate to see when you hate something. (laughs) Anyway, here's the thing. There have been a lot of really big television events, the Oscars, any of these award shows, but the ratings have not been that great compared to past years, right? Ratings for a lot of these things have been slipping. Part of that is due to the just the overall change in television and the way we watch things in general. So there, there's been slipping, but for the first time in 24 years, March Madness has gone up on opening weekend for the first time in 24 years. This is a surprise, especially because, as I was saying, the given state of television indicates that it would not be. So opening weekend averaged 9.3 million total viewers across CBS, True TV, TBS, and TNT, according to Nielsen. That's up 10% from last year. It averaged 8.5 million the opening weekend last year. So this is also the best start uh, as I said, in 24 years since 1993. So, well, when it comes good to sport, for them. when it comes to sports overall, I mean, with they, they have it over any other kind of uh, television event because people you don't most people don't DVR sports. People want to watch it live and be a part of it, especially if it's you know a lot of people around them really kind of care. You kind of people get swept up in it and just kind of you do. go along for the ride. You do. You're right. You're right. Well, they talked about some of the reasons why. So one reason would be because there's some really good matches featured in the round of 32, which was uh, the Tar Heels, the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, also Wisconsin and defending champ Villanova. Also, the fact that the, there was a growth in terms of digital viewership of the games, which fueled TV tune-in. So, for example, they may have started watching the game on their cell phone or their tablet and then maybe got to, you know home or to some place where there was a larger TV and would tune in for the rest on TV. So, good for them. Yes. <laughs> I love when you do that. That's a re- when you do yes. That shows really. I don't give a damn, but I'm just going to give answer. The truth is, I want to ask you: Is this sports channeling? Is there not enough TV news that we have to talk about basketball at this point? Sports is huge. Sports is largely important. And, That's why, and, I and it is. And those it. and those people are listening to ESPN Radio right now. They could they they are not listening to TV channeling. No, but you never know. You throw in a, a little bit of sports every now and then, we might win some converts. So don't ever underestimate your audience, Kevin. Ever. Ever. All right. So let's talk about... Next up, let's talk. We might have some people that are fans of gardening that are listening. So let's talk about this is a great time for you to plant your bulbs. It's springtime, everyone. So I'll tell you what, what you're going to need to get is a rake. Your hoe, Kevin. <laughs> you want to get like, you're going to get a hoe. You're <laughs> I'm going to tell you what you could do with your spade and your hoe, okay? <laughs> no, I do like gardening. See, we don't want, we don't want, we could be getting potential listeners by talking more about gardening. 
Shut it up, Kevin. I'm going to move over on to NBC. They announced their schedule for the summer. Yes. Yes. So there are a couple of things. Let me tell you some of the things that are coming out. So it's summer and like actually some of them are in time for May sweeps. So World of Dance debuts Monday, March 8th at 10 p.m. That is in, this is interesting because you know I'm a dancer. So I'm interested in most things dance, except I'm not a huge fan of Dancing with the Stars. Sorry. What? Not really. I went to go see it in person, and it was really cool when you see it in person. Besides the fact that they're the uh, stage manager, that's not the uh, the production manager. Is like, come on, you know, yell it up, clap, and I'm like, okay, we're tired. <laughs> 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 but besides that, yeah, I I liked. So you think you can dance? better than that and maybe it's because i'm not a ballroom dancer and i'm a uh like a modern dancer and a concert dance maybe that's why what also the fact is that just like the gong show before it um there's always those clunker people that are on dancing with the stars and then also just the title is a misnomer because so many times it's like the dancing with the quote-unquote people that we're choosing to call stars. Thank you! That also, I mean, if we were watching, you know, uh, Sandra Bullock cut a rug, that might be a little bit different than than watching some kid who was like the fifth lead on some Disney thing that got canceled ten years ago. Thank you! Or like somebody like Scott Baio, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sure Scott Baio's family loves and cares for him still. But um, for the rest of us, probably, you know, <laughs> not as or, much. Or his sidekick for, uh, what is it, Willie Ames from Charles in Charge and Ain't Is Enough. Yeah, so, so there's, that. That's, the, that's one of the issues, I think, with Dancing with the Stars. And plus, I, if you right. want, I want to see dancers, I want to see people who can really dance. And I agree. Yes. Part of Dancing with the Stars is all these different kind of less popular kinds of dances i mean no offense to the love i'm sure because just because like we have a lot of people out there that we don't want to scare off that love basketball i'm sure we have a, a huge contingency of people who love the foxtrot so but, yeah but i love ballroom i i absolutely love ballroom but i like to watch people do it well <laughs> excuse me sorry dancing with the stars oh i God. love you oh my i God. love you this whole show is nothing but side eye. Side eye to the left, side eye to the right. We're not looking straight at anything today. Oh, thank you, because I'm going to put that as a hashtag in the, in the title. Side eye. <laughs> <laughs> the World of Dance is in partnership with the preeminent global dance brand, World of Dance, and it brings the world's elite dancers together to compete in battles of artistry, pre- precision, athleticism, for a life-altering prize of $1 million. Now, that okay, wait, you know what? Life- let's just cut to the chase. I don't care about the prize. I don't care anything about that. Who are the judges? Thank you. Jennifer Lopez, Neo, and Derek Hoff. Is that how you say his name? Is it Hoff? Yeah, Derek Hoff. Yeah. So, Derek Hoff. I always mispronounce his okay, name. Okay, why is Neo the... He can dance. Um, Okay. All right. Ooh, gasoline. Oh, uh, <laughs> gasoline. No, Neo is really, really good. Now, he may not be classically trained, but, he, well, I mean, J-Lo, remember, she started as a fly girl, even though she did have some training at the Boys and Girls Club in the Bronx. She did. Um, she had some classical training in terms of jazz or whatever, but... Yeah, you know, but you know she... what? You, you, to be real, okay, at least J-Lo is a draw. I feel like Neo is the singing equivalent to Scott Baio. So that's the oh, difference that's between the two of them. No, no. He's like, okay, you know how... you So you think you can dance? They had Jason Derulo as, the, uh, as one of the judges? Yes. 
But the, oh, 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 but, oh, but you know what the difference is? Even though I am not a Jason Derulo fan, I can't deny the fact that he still is on the charts. Name the last Neo's last hit. Champagne Life. And and what decade did that come out in exactly? It came out in this decade. Shut up. <laughs> all right. So at the beginning of it, we're pretty yeah, deep into so. it already. So all right. Go away, Kevin. <laughs> no, no, don't mess with Neil. But it, no, Neil was definitely not a Scott Bale, okay? Even though the names rhyme. Uh, so there, and then Jenna Dewan Tatum is going to be the host slash mentor. So speaking of talent, the next thing on tap is, of course, America's Got Talent will be back Tuesday, May 30th. A live show is August 15th. And then, yeah, the live show, the ending and the live results August 15th and 16th. So it's going to be its 12th season. And the creator, Judge Simon Cowell, will be back. Mel B, Heidi Klum, Howie Mandel, okay, and cut Tyra to the, Banks. Cut to the chase, yes. Okay, who is the new host of America's Tyra Got Banks. Look, you've yes. got to massage people so they'll want to know more. Okay. I could just say Tyra Banks is the new host, but that wouldn't be good. So oh. yeah, so Tyra Banks is the new host, but I don't understand what she knows about talent besides identifying models and also having a kick-ass makeup line. Does that make you eligible for judgeship? I guess so. Oh, oh wait a minute. So you think that Neo should be on a show um, judging but Neo people can actually dancing, dance. uh, modern Neo can dance, actually and all kinds of different... dance. And he's going to be judging tangoing and stuff like that, yet you have a problem with uh, the beautiful Tyra Banks... I no, mean, but it's world. It's all sorts of dance that he's going. They're going to be judging on world of dance. It's not just uh, ballroom. So I can see that. And the thing is, because he is a performer, he's now had to have some training in all different types. He's not just making up stuff. He's got choreographers, so he's learning the vocabulary and he understands dance. What does Tyra know about talent? She had one little song that she did on, America, <laughs> on America's Top Model, where they did that ridiculous music video for i laughed the whole episode okay well so first please. of all tyra banks has been in probably just as many music videos as neo has been in so there you go yeah i know as the sidekick girl like yeah i want tyra banks that that's it yeah okay so the she was also is, in a, a movie a couple of movies coyote yeah, and ugly the, yeah and, and the point is they're gonna have some writers to have some jokes written for her, some banter written for her when she talks to the contestants she's gonna be she's gonna be beautiful People, she's gonna probably you know have on several outfits per episode. People will tune in for that. I mean, Don't I count. never, I never tuned in, but I, I've heard people say that they used to tune in to um, American Idol just to watch J Lo change outfits. So maybe they'll, oh. maybe that's the reason why. I, in fact, I didn't understand to be honest. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> Well, I never understood why, you know, Nick Cannon, I don't understand why oh, even have a host. I just I, feel thank like you. they ha- add nothing. They just, it just, it's a filler and time waster. You know what? Ha- people can find, have somebody backstage point, point at the person like, walk out there and sing. 
walk out there and dance. Do that and then have the judges say yay or nay. I don't need anybody telling little jokes. I don't want to hear any stories about the fact that I'm I'm singing this for my grandma who died six years ago. No, sing. If you can sing, you can stay. If you can't sing, goodbye. I don't want personal stories. You are incredibly callous. I don't want personal stories. I don't want to hear about the fact that you served our country greatly in Iraq. I I mean, and that's great. I'm happy for you. But this is about singing. Sing, but Kevin, dance. people connect. People connect with the personal stories. They want you know to know what? about oh, those. You, know what, you Tachi, don't care. You know what, Tachi? They go on the show. America's got stories, not America's got talent. <laughs> oh, wait, you know what? I can't stand you. Leave those people alone. <laughs> they want to connect with people's personal stories. That makes it all the more. You know, people would root for them more if they know the personal story behind it. It makes it. It's you know, not. You're, you are the reason why the Olympics are so bad. People like you, where we have to basically get everybody's backstory about their great grandmother that came over from Russia before we can basically see this person, uh, you know, run for two seconds. I don't care about your grandmother coming from the old country. Can you run fast? Get a medal. Smile. Wave. Get on a cereal box and get out of my face. Well, Olympic Committee, the views expressed by Kevin are not necessarily the views that I hold. I like the backstories. I want to hear about the Wheaties box uh, tales. I want to hear about that. Don't mind Kevin. Let's talk more about <laughs> that's what, what else is That's why on. the ratings can keep going down of the, each, uh, each Olympics. They keep You're blaming it on that? Come on, on Kevin. Yes, I think the people, I know I get bored. I want to see the actual events. I don't want to hear about people's, you know, grandmother coming over on a boat. And therefore, because you're bored, everybody's bored? Well, thinking people, uh-huh. yes. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Don't mind. Watch the sports story okay. channel then. Watch the, watch the story <laughs> channel. Watch the make, story make network. Make a story channel, Kevin. Make a story channel. <laughs> So, speaking of stories, let's talk about the Carmichael show. That's coming back Wednesday, May 9th at 9 p.m. I've never watched it, uh, but apparently it's inspired by the life of comedian uh, Jared. I don't know if he says Jared or Gerard uh, Carmichael. And it follows him and his opinionated North Carolina family as they navigate topics that all families face in America today. But you know what's interesting? I read that they are not going to even address Voldemort in uh, the series. And the series is all about, you know, what's happening in the world. So it's going to be interesting to see how they basically choose to... I thought I was the only one choosing not to ever talk about him. I didn't know that there were going to be whole TV shows. They're like, we're not going to even go into that. See, there's nothing funny about Voldemort, though. The people that can afford to do that are the late-night talk shows and Saturday Night Live because they've got whole bits that deal with it. You know, working it in a little bit to... A, it just is, If you can't do what you want with it, then it just... It falls flat. So they were like, you know what? We'll just pretend that this whole thing never happened. Well, the only reason I'm saying is that is, isn't the show, it's supposed to be, it's very topical and very political. I mean, talk it about is. a lot of political kind of things. Basically, I saw it as like a, a new version of All in the Family with just a, a black family. And it just seems weird to have such a seismic shift politically on such a, polit- a show that's so political in what it deals with and to not even address it just is as quite it's an interesting choice i would love to hear the producers talk about why they made it 
it is an interesting choice. And in fact, and um, they talked about it in an upcoming episode that they are actually going to use the N word uncensored. So that's going to be interesting as well. Wait a minute. Now I'm okay. I'm all kinds yeah. of upset now. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I almost used the P you. word. I almost used the P word on, uh, which I don't think I've ever used on this show. Anyway, <laughs> he's never used any words. But, anyway, but I'm sure the hardcore fans are like, wait a minute, in episode three, I believe he said it several times. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the idea that they're gonna they they actually made a point to mention they're gonna use the N word uncensored, but they're not gonna yes. mention the seismic shift politically when it's a show that's about politics. I yeah, I'm not happy. I am not happy with that. And I'm sure they are sensitive to your unhappiness. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, and I'll quickly tell you some of the other things that are coming up this summer. American Ninja Warrior comes back June 12th, which I love. I love this show. Also, a similar type of show, Spartan, which is the ultimate team challenge inspired by the Spartan race. And it, so it raises the bar on team competitions. It's groups of friends, families, coworkers, and they have to work together to test their determina determination, endurance, and will on a really demanding uh, course, obstacle course, for $250,000. They don't make the prizes high enough in these things to me, but... Wait, I don't understand. So wait, there's teens, but they're working with coworkers? Wait, what? No, it's teams of five. So oh, it could teams. be coworkers. I thought you said yeah. teams. No, like, teams like, with their with teams or their coworkers. What are you talking no. about? <laughs> teams of five. Okay. <laughs> uh, little Big Shots, uh, Forever Young. Uh, kids bring their talent to a primetime audience. Audience, June twelfth, uh, June twenty first. Sorry, The Wall, and we know that as the uh, a game with twelve million dollars on the line every night. Yeah, and does anybody ever Sorry. win that twelve million dollars? I no, that's another thing. I love the, it's I the same twelve million that they have every I have time. A, I have a real problem with these shows. Like, and our prize is a billion dollars that no one will ever win. Because because when it gets to when somebody starts winning too much, they start getting questions like, "What is my grandmother's favorite kind of cereal?" Like, how would I know what the host's grandmother's favorite kind of cereal is? And you've lost, and you go home now with nothing. Thank you for playing. Well, you know what? The whole thing is there were there were some rules that were set in place in the early days of television because there was a lot of quiz show game scandal going on where they were setting things so that people wouldn't win or certain people would win. So there are certain rules in place. I, I don't know what what's what now, but, you know, things were done in the early days to prevent fraud fraud in game shows and TV quiz oh, shows. Oh, I still think that there's a different kind of fraud now. Before, it was like, oh, okay, yeah. there's someone who's very telegenic that the audience likes, so we're going to make it so that they stay on the show longer because this woman's very attractive. People right. want to see her, so we're going to keep her on. She's wearing a low-cut dress. Let's keep her on as long as possible and give her answers to keep her on. But the, what they're doing with these other shows that, like, quote-unquote, have these huge uh, prizes, nobody ever wins them. They're basically so difficult to win that it's next to impossible so it's I, I feel like it's just bogus to you can throw any number out there it's like it's the it's the hundred trillion dollar pyramid hosted by kevin and it's like but no one will ever win that money ever i hate to see their faces when somebody finally does win so. <laughs> that's why you have questions about like what is my atm password yeah. <laughs> one last story because i know we've did but we've had some good conversation one last story and i'm excited about this one 
because I absolutely love RuPaul. I love him. And so J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot has teamed up with RuPaul and the reality production company World of Wonder, who does RuPaul's Drag Race, for a half-hour dramedy series project, and it's a fictionalized version of RuPaul's rise from club kid to drag queen to gay icon to global star. And it's written by power executive producer Gary Lennon. It's supposed to be set in New York City during the Reagan-era 1980s, and it's going to be based at the, at the Warner Brothers TV studio where Bad Robot is based, and that's where they're going to shoot. And the series is supposed to be taken to the marketplace shortly, which means they have not, like, it's in development. It hasn't been finished yet and picked up. Have they um, announced what kind of show it's going to be as far as, um, will it be a three-camera live audience kind of thing or a film show? No, they haven't said any of that. They haven't said any of that. So I guess, you know, it's still in development, so it remains to be seen. But so it doesn't I even have a network at this point. No, it doesn't have a network. They're trying to, they're going to be shopping it around. So if I know anything, like I know anything, they're going to be at the next, you know, next event trying to shop this deal. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it gets picked up because it's it, it um, also echoes something that uh, Showtime is going to have a... Uh, show about Robert Maplethorpe uh, oh, that yeah. takes place in the uh, in the 80s uh, with God what is his it's I think it's Patty Smith it's about him and Patty Smith when they're really young and they're friends apparently and like living in New York in the uh, I guess late 70s early 80s kind of thing so oh. it's, it seems like a uh, uh, similar to what the RuPaul thing is going to be oh Hey, all right. Well, we've got some good television. Scripted is making its real comeback, so I'm super happy about that. All right. I okay. guess that means that's the end of our news portion. We went a little long on the news, but um, we did not so long that we're not going to at least try to talk about uh, what Tachi's currently watching. Tachi, what are you watching? Kevin, I'm glad you asked that. I am currently watching Being Mary Jane. Do you know Do you know anything about Being Mary Jane? I have seen uh, f- uh, some episodes from the first season. Okay, okay. So we you've you've missed a, a little bit since then. So it debuted in 2014 on BET. This is a, a BET show uh, created by Mara Brocka Keel, and it stars Gabrielle Union. Now, Mara Brocka Keel, you'll remember from Girlfriends. And then the spin-off, The Game. And now she's doing Being Mary Jane. And they're actually getting ready to... She and her husband are getting ready to produce not Black Panther, but one of these other comic book shows, which is really exciting. So anyway, Being Mary Jane centers on Mary Jane Paul. And her name is actually Pauletta, but you know she's zhuzhed up her name a little bit because she is a news anchor for a, she was in Atlanta and a station in Atlanta. And now this is why everything has changed, Kevin, because now she's up in New York. So the entire thing is now supposed to be up in New York. And so really it follows being a young professional, really a young black woman professional and trying to negotiate relationships, trying to negotiate place in the work, uh, your space in the workplace, trying to negotiate things like salaries and all of those types of things. And of course, it, it 
real life comes into play. So they'll deal with stories like, for example, the shootings. Uh, they'll deal with different types of stories that are happening within, I hate to say black America as if it's a blanket thing, but you know, that happened within black communities. And she actually, you know, comes from a little bit of, her parents seem to be uh, quite well off, comes from a little bit of money because, you know, they're, her mother is like in something that's kind of Jack and Jillish, uh, but I think they call it something else. So they're of society. They're black society folk. They are black Atlanta society. And that's the world she comes from. She's got a brother who was uh, in prison for a little while or in jail for a little while because he was on drugs and he had a daughter and the daughter, sorry to say she's trying to do better, but she's a mess, has a, a baby by Dante, this guy Dante, who cares not about her at all. And then you've got, of course, the mother and father. Then she has another brother who's doing a little bit better, has moved up to New York as well, and is doing real estate. So it just follows her. I think it's a really well done show. It's really well created because for the longest time, there was nothing that depicted the life of a young black professional woman on television. But then we started getting things like Scandal. We started getting, you know, some of these other, for a little bit there was Deception with, um, oh, I can't remember her name, but it didn't last long. But you started to see these shows with black women leads, young black women leads, which, you know, spoke to me. <laughs> so I thought, uh, it, it. I think it's really well done. It's a well-crafted show. I... I'm interested to see what happens. So anyway, really quickly, she's up in New York now, left Atlanta, got a bigger job in New York, and there's some contention because she's really the only black anchor. There's another one who has been there for years and years, and Mary Jane looked up to her, up to her as a mentor, but then, of course, there's some shady stuff that goes down. It's like they're trying to pit them against each other. She ends up meeting this fantastic guy, this British comedian who, and this is the thing, she has terrible luck with guys and she always seems to attract the wrong type of guys or they uh, attract her, whatever the case may be. But this time it uh, seems like she has found her match. Um, and, but it goes, she, they go through some ups and downs. So I, I think it's a really great show. Wow. All right. Well, it's interesting to uh, hear a little bit of an update of what's going on with her on the show. Like I said before, I watched the, uh, part of the first season and um, I was wondering when you said that the, they uh, moved the location, how uh, are her family like just like semi-regulars on the show now that she's in a new location? Yes. So they're semi-regular. So every few episodes, you'll see them, they'll do like an update. So their storylines are still woven in to the whole thing, but it's more so about Mary Jane and her life in New York now. And of course, the producer of the show, what what is her, her producer's name? Carla? I can't remember, but her producer's name, her producer also moves up to New York. In fact, she's really the reason she gets the gig up in New York. So this last episode kind of ended, I won't give it away, but the Rhonda is the other black news anchor that was there. Yeah, so she's kind of no more, but we don't know that for sure. You know, characters have a way of popping back up. Yeah, well, everybody's going to have to tune in. So when can they watch that sh uh, Being Mary Jane? Being Mary Jane actually comes on on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. on BET, 10 p.m. Eastern on BET. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Tachi.
Absolutely. So now it's time to get to what we both watched, and I'm going to let Kevin introduce that. All right. Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, Tachi and I, when we do our weekly review of a show that we both watch, we we both watch at least two episodes. And this week is no different. And this week we're reviewing The Good Fight. Uh, The Good Fight is actually a uh, spinoff or continuation of uh, the very successful show, The Good Wife. And the events of the uh, pilot and the whole show follow exactly one year after the events of the finale. Finale, uh, the Good Wife. All right. So, and The Good Fight is available on CBS All Access. Still reeling from the results of the 2016 presidential election, lifelong progressive feminist Diane Lockhart is motivated to make a change. She signs an exit agreement with her law firm and puts a deposit on a villa in the south of France. When an enormous financial scam is revealed, it destroys the reputation of a young lawyer, Maya Rendell, and wipes out her mentor and godmother, Diane's savings. Forced out of Lockhart and Lee, Diane and Maya join Diane's former employee, Luca Quinn, at one of Chicago's preeminent law firms. With no other options, Diane accepts a junior partnership position. So, Tachi, what did you think of The Good Fight? I did not think I was going to go for it at first because I never watched The Good Wife. So, you know, I don't have a background story on any of the characters or anything because I did not watch The Good Wife. And there's just something, you know, generally a lot of, let's be, let's be honest, There are not a huge amount of shows that are hits on CBS, um, and the ones that are have been recent hits. So I never really watched CBS except for the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special. If it's it's well, okay, Tanji, I have to interrupt you only to say you know CBS is the number one network, right? I know, (laughs) I know, I know. No, I know it's the number one network, but I'm saying for me, they haven't had like a whole bunch of hits for me. Uh, So I don't want. And then I always also think it's ridiculous that I have to pay to watch. All access. Digressing. Anyway, so I I was not necessarily drawn to to it. So I said, all right, well, since this is something we're going to watch. So, of course, I just kept going because it was it was very compelling. I will say that they had. They have really good, complex characters, and that's what I like in a television program where the characters are complex and everybody has a place, if that makes any sense. You don't really have too many extraneous characters. Everybody has a place, and everybody that they present has a purpose. That's what I absolutely love. So there are some very funny, hilarious moments. For example, in the beginning, in the pilot, she is uh, Maya is C spelled M A I A, not like Maya Angelou. She is uh, seen sitting for the bar, and I think that scene was really nice where it was the classroom and it was entirely black, and then the lights came, and it was just a light shining on her. The lights came up and it showed that she was uh, taking the bar. So she 
took the bar. Of course, she passes the bar. And this is another thing that I like. When we see her pass the bar or, you know, refreshing to see whether or not she passed, she screams and her partner, like, you know, is uh, is like genuinely (laughs) startled. And her partner, you don't know that her partner is a woman until that happens. I had no clue. I just, you just see somebody in the bed. And of course you just, yeah. you, you don't know who it is. And then I'm like, okay, well they kind of work that in seamlessly and they didn't make a big deal so much out of it, you know, in terms of the story itself, in terms of her and the story, they didn't make a big deal out of it. So that yeah, the cool. fact that she has a, a, a female partner is just part of who she is. It's not that this show is not about the fact that she's, uh, you know, lesbian. Not at all. Because again, that's not something, I mean, not that you would necessarily know, but you don't know until that part because, and even then I was just like, oh, okay. Until later when, you know, she's like going to cuddle her to, oh, okay. So there are a couple, <laughs> I guess I should have figured that out since they were in the same bed, but you know, I don't know. So <laughs> maybe they just don't have enough space. I don't know. So you figured it out when you saw them in the shower together? No, 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 no. When she yelled, you know, that by that point, I was like, yeah, they're a couple. But no, when she yelled after she passed the bar, and then she went over to her and, you know, like kind of cuddled her, that's when I figured yeah. it out. That's when I figured it out. I thought, oh, okay, you're a couple. Not even when she was in the bed and say, oh, yeah, congratulations. So I I really, I, I thought this this is solid. I, obviously, I kept watching it because the the... It was so solid. And there's so many things really quickly uh, uh, in terms of this is very, very current and very present for a lot of people because there were so many people that were hurt by the Madoff scandal. And not that Bernie Madoff scandal was the only Ponzi scheme in life. There have been others as well. But because that's the most recent, largest, high-profile one, there were things that started to come back about that, you know, stories you heard in the news. Uh, You would hear... My sister uh, lives in New York, and so you would hear things about, you know, he went someplace and people would just be shoving him, you know, that type of thing. So it it brings back some of the real-life misery that people who lost their money with Bernie Madoff went through, and we're seeing that played out here. So interesting. Well, what I love about the show is, as you know, I was a huge fan of The Good Wife. In fact, it was one of my top uh, five of all time. I remember. And the fact that they made the show, I was hoping to hear what you thought, mainly because I felt like it seemed seamless that you didn't have to have watched The Good Wife to get into it. And to hear that, that you were able to get into it so easily makes me feel really good. I love the pilot or the first episode was so ingeniously done uh, to have Diane Lockhart reeling from, you know, the election of uh, he who should not be named. Uh, And then that being a catalyst for (laughs) the catalyst for her to make a huge life change. And then uh, after deciding to make that life change, all of a sudden being told, you know what, you have no money. 
you were penniless essentially and you have to keep working you can't retire to that villa in france that's another thing that villa in france was everything and then it's just like she yes. like put that down payment and then just snatched away from her yes. uh, i thought that was incredible and then how the her law firm how they closed the door on her they would not let her come back and how because she had recommended uh, that the same uh, the same investment group that she was a part of that was very apparently very exclusive, only the finest people were allowed in it, the finest richest people, and she talked some of her very fine rich uh, friends into uh, uh, you know being a part of it, and then they she's like you know uh, everybody's kind of like turning their back on her, and so she's kind of forced to not only go to this other lesser law firm that happens to be majority uh, owned by you know African. Americans, but she's has to come back, uh, uh, come to that law firm as a junior partner, which is a huge come down. But you know she has no other choice. She she needs to like you know keep her lights on and keep food in her refrigerator. So this has been a huge come down for her. And to see the culture clash at this law firm, and uh, to see her because she's always she's she sees herself as a liberal person, and there was this really cutting kind of. Uh, exchange between her and uh this woman who is now essentially kind of her boss uh this black woman where she says oh i remember seeing you diane at at, at this like you know uh i think what, what was it called a jobs for uh, diversity, diversity hiring mm-hmm. uh, diversity hiring and diane goes i hope i didn't make too much of a fool of myself and she goes not too much <laughs> just like oh wow exactly. so it it's really interesting, and uh, so Christine Baranski, I, I feel like, is just handling this so well. She's such a great actress, and what they've given her to do in this show is just brilliant. I even love the uh, of what she said to her husband when he's basically trying to tell her they they don't they don't have to end their marriage, even though she's telling him they need to end it because all the financial repercussions that are going to be happening to her would affect him unless right. they finalize their divorce. And but she is done with him after it, it came out that he was cheating on her with uh, his some of his students. I thought that was brilliantly done. Also, I got to say, Kush uh, Jumbo, who plays Luca Quinn. Yes. I love that woman so much. She's fantastic. She is so beautiful. She is so sexy and she is so smart. And she she just has this vibe whenever she walks into a scene like I am the smartest one in the room. She may not be the most powerful person in the room, but you know when she walks into a room that she's thinking 10 steps ahead of everybody around her. And I love that. No, absolutely. You know, I going back to the scene where she was watching uh, the inauguration or whatever you want to call it. I thought I was like, you know what? Because I was like, oh Lord. And that made me like want to change. But the moment I wanted to change, she shut off the TV. I'm like, that's exactly what I would have done. (laughs) That's exactly what I would have done. And she was like, F this, I'm moving to France and got everything together. (laughs) And, And then it just all fell apart. And I, again, I think everybody is so, uh, complex. I love Luca. 
I lo- absolutely love Luca. Like you said, she's the smartest one in any room that she walks into. She commands the space. It, it's it's fantastic. Here's here's the thing, and you know you cannot watch shows inside of a bubble. You bring your experience, your life experience, and your expectations to a program whenever you watch it. And so when you're looking at this, you can't help but look at obviously politics. Look at uh, structures in American cities. Look at things like labor. You know, you can't help but look at all of these things because they deal with all of these, you know, the first uh, few episodes anyway, they deal with all of these things. But, you know, I found myself like at points not feeling so sorry for Maya and for, oh, why is her name? Diane. Diane, thank you. I was like, why is her name? Not feeling so sorry for them, even though, you know, terrible things have happened to them. It's like, okay, going back to, I was reading the other day a, an article about, in fact, in my, the Howard Journal, which is, you know, I get their alumni magazine. So there was a, a Japanese professor who, you know, was there forever. And that's nothing new. There are a lot of, the professoriate at Howard is very multicultural, so that's nothing new. But what struck me as a parallel to this was he came to Howard, of course, because he. It was during World War II when they did the uh, the internment camps, and even if you looked Asian, it didn't matter if you were not Japanese. They were going to put you in an internment camp on the West Coast, and so that's where he was. And you know, obviously, he he had applied to some other places uh, to to uh, teach, teach, and they had reached their quota of. I can't remember whatever ridiculously low number of Asians per pe- So, you know, they had these quota systems. So don't let the Academy fool you. So they had these quota systems. And so where did he get hired? At Howard. So it always seems like the black institution is the one that provides refuge for the world. You know what I'm saying? So not what? that that's a bad thing, but okay. Now Luca had to move her office. Down the down the one because there's this new partner coming in. Okay, fine, but maybe I felt some type of way because I'm like, okay, here comes this person and taking her office. And then when they were doing, they do the pro bono stuff. If you notice the the because uh, she brought Diane brought over Maya to the to the firm as an associate, you know, had just graduated. Yes. And when they were doing the pro bono work, did you notice how long the line was for her? Oh, no, no. That one thing I was – I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you so much, Tachi. Okay, and I love how they handled that so well. Basically, the idea because uh, Maya has a white face, um, uh, there's like a, a legal clinic, and and people in a particular union could all line up and get some legal questions answered. And – all the other associates were of color and Maya was the only white one. And so literally her line was out the door and everybody else had like one or two people in their line. And so when, uh, when uh, Luca goes up to some of the people like, Oh, well, can I help you? And like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to wait for her. And so I thought that was that all that needed to be said. It's like they looked at at uh, Luca and decided that um, she isn't going to be as qualified or as smart 
as uh, and she even tells this one guy, well, you know, uh, she is a new law student and she just gra- gradu- uh, cra- uh, graduated the bar, right. uh, uh, and I am, you know, you know, uh, practicing law for you know this many years, and you know, no, that's okay. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna wait for her. Uh, that said everything, it and even the guy everything. that they. That they cast who was saying that to her that said everything and it also speaks to the era that we're in right now it 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 bothered me i'm so glad that they chose to deal with it because it's not something that's fake it actually happened you could have all the experience in the world and yet you're viewed you know when you're of color as being less capable than your white counterparts even though she just passed the bar and maybe just barely passed the damn bar but she oh had, well that's oh, not the that's not the only place that that they dealt oh, with no, it. Well, that's not the only place. But that, real, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant and it really stuck out. It really, really stuck out because it made me think I'm like, well, you all are looking for representation because you don't have the skills yourself to represent. You dare to, <laughs> to be selective about that? That That's what, you know, it brings up all of these feelings, but I'm glad because it's real. And so that people can see, yeah, no, we're not making this up. This is real and it actually happens. Well, another thing that was uh, really brilliant and really telling was when uh, uh, Delroy Lindo plays uh, Adrian Bozeman. And yes. when he was talking, when he was offering Diane the job, because he knew that she was basically dead in the water and no other firm would have her, that he could get her at a steal. He basically, uh, he said, like, I know that, you know, th- uh, that your financial situation is dire because of, you know, being involved in this uh investment group and uh he and so she said were you involved he goes oh well you know that investment group was invitation only and they did not invite any yes. black folks yes so that was and the and the the smile on his face as he basically said this it's like yes the racism basically paid off for me so <laughs> that I, I could not have i did not lose a dime no, absolutely. I mean, but it also makes you think, this is the type of show that really makes you think, because would Diane on her own, when she, she was perfectly willing to stay at her old firm, had they voided that uh, exit contract that she signed, she would have stayed there in her partner position and be, been just as happy. And in fact, she went to several different law firms and they, you know, she had been blackballed apparently at all the other law firms. So on her own, she probably would not have gone to that firm and said, hey, can I work with you? It was the other way around. They sought her out. Now, it ended up working to their advantage, obviously, but it just makes you think like, yeah, you wouldn't have considered this firm at all a week ago. Oh, no, she wouldn't have considered them because they don't have the kind of, they don't generate the kind of money. And they even did this thing that was really interesting that I didn't even know was a thing about how they have these investors who basically pay to uh let them have these cases that they would would never ordinarily would not even happen uh, they're uh they're investors they basically make bets on okay uh they present cases to them okay we have a potential uh class action suit against this particular company or we have a suit against a uh we're going to sue for police brutality and will you basically pay uh the legal fees and if we win you get like a a huge portion of the money that the, that the plaintiff will actually win and um that was really interesting i didn't even know that was a thing uh but in the, in Diane's 
law firm where she was, that was never even an issue because a they had they had so much capital themselves, right? And also their clients were rich and could afford to pay a lot of money. They did do some pro bono work, uh, but nothing on the scale of the new firm. And what's interesting about it, I see, is is Diane is kind of coming back home. Diane is you know a liberal, but now she's been like a limousine liberal for a long time, and um, she's fought uh, with the current law firm that she the law firm that she was at before uh, about doing the right thing and making the right choices but more often than not the right choice was always a monetary choice the money was won out and so to see her have to be in a completely different milieu to see her uh not even be a, a full partner at this law firm and have to answer to people and have bosses as opposed to other partners that she's jockeying for power with is a completely different kind of thing. No, absolutely. And I, I think it's really interesting. Some of these others. So the investors that they have for that law firm, when you look at it, it's kind of in a sense, poking fun at this whole hipster generation because they would ask them, you know, present them with cases. All right, well, this is, this is such and such a case. And then they'll go to the computer. Yeah. The algorithm doesn't like that. They can't do anything without being told by an algorithm. That's the funny thing. And it goes to the hipster coffee, quinoa eating type of thing. And it's almost like poking fun at that. Like they can't do anything without being told this is the case by an algorithm. So you think about all the Googles, you think about the Facebook, you think about YouTube and all of those other types of tech companies when they do that. Well, what's interesting about the show, this is the, this show is carrying on the tradition of the good wife. The good wife always was very real and very dark, but it always had a dark sense of humor. You'll notice like in one of the episodes, uh, that there was this judge who is a little off and a little eccentric. There are always people that are always the little off that, uh, that you encounter, uh, on the good wife. And I see it. I'm glad it's, they continue that kind of these off kilter people that aren't quite right. I love that. Have, uh, man- I was managed dying. To wa- yeah. To manage to wander onto the good fight. So, all right, Taji, I think we're at a point where I can ask you, are you going to stay tuned or are you going to change the channel on The Good Fight? I'm staying tuned. I absolutely love this series. You know, Tachi, I think it's it's a pretty safe assumption for most people have already made that, yes, I love this series. In fact, you know what? I, I actually was rooting against it. I was hoping I wouldn't like it because I'm so annoyed with the fact that the show was not on regular CBS. The fact that it is, it is uh, basically a pay show because you have to pay $5 a month if you want to watch it. And that's with limited commercial interruptions versus if you pay yeah. $9.95 a month, you can see all, everything that's there commercial free. And basically they this is the flagship a show that's been produced strictly for uh uh cbs all access the next show that's coming down the pike for it is um is star trek uh discovery so they think that they can basically lure people over with these two marquee shows to get us to pay you know five dollars uh uh you know a, a month or to pay uh nine or ten dollars a month the one thing that i will say that they've done is pretty crafty which is i have to say is pretty smart because they pretty much have figured about pete figured out how people like me work 
my initial thought was they were going to release this show like they do on Netflix, where you join up and all the whole season is available at that moment in time. Because my plan would be, all right, I will join up and I will pay for one month. I will watch the whole season of Star Trek Discovery, the whole season of The Good Fight, and I'll see you guys back next year. You get another five bucks out of me next year, right? But they're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna deal these out piecemeal. You'll get one episode a week. <laughs> <laughs> No, they are. Now they're on episode six, I believe, because I watched the first four. Yes, yeah. So, it's, it, but they're, but they're, but it, uh, if you watch, if we didn't join up until after it's already been going, but if we watched from the first week, they what they did was they aired the very first episode on CBS uh, for everybody to kind of whet our appetites. Then they made the second episode available online. I think that day or the next day, and then after that, they released one every Friday. And so they they didn't they didn't let you have like the traditional kind of Netflix model or hulu model where here's the whole season watch it at your own pace they're like no we're gonna pace it out for you to make you pay us as long as we possibly can get money out of you <sighs> can i blame so them that's... for their strategy uh, i just i just wish they would create this type of content take away the big bang theory i don't need to see that this is the type of stuff that we need to see well also i you know what oh that's a good question tachi that you the thing, the, uh, thing that you brought up i actually wonder this show has basically three female leads there's only kind of like one male actor that's one of the major characters right uh week to week every episode and so i wonder how different this show as far as the cast and the makeup of it would be if this was actually on cbs and not on cbs all access well, for one thing, they couldn't curse as much as they do. Oh yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> Hear, yeah, hearing the f word and yeah, they're letting you know that you're you're paying for this, so we're gonna we're gonna curse and I'm not, and you're gonna see women taking showers together. Um, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> they're 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 trying to give us a reason to keep giving them money. Well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll All right, see. so we're we're agree. We're both we're uh, we are both staying tuned to the good fight. Yes, I love it. Fantastic. Good. So we're in agreement this week. I'm so happy that that you suggested this because I really, really do like it. So thank you for the suggestion, Kevin. Yay! I, I am so glad you because I always felt like if you had if you had known me back when the Good Wife first started, you would have been watching it and you would have been a huge fan too. Probably so. Probably so. Okay. So this is good. That is the and so the Good Fight comes on CBS All Access. You five ninety nine if you want the version without a lot of commercials nine ninety nine per month if you want commercial free completely and it is a really great show so check it out and also I uh, want to let people know that you can't you do get like a free week yes. trial so seven glorious days so either you can uh, you can be like us and sign up like around now and watch six episodes or you can hold out for a few weeks and wait till all the episodes <laughs> exactly and then join in for that free glorious week and watch the whole season during like watch. you know over a few nights see they think they could get over on us but we i think the public is more crafty than they give us credit for so 
Fantastic. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of another fantastic episode of TV Channeling. We've had a great time today, and we thank all of you for listening because you all are what makes it worth it to do this show. Oh, yes. I I thank you, too, for listening, and I hope that you will subscribe to our show because that would totally help us out. And that way, whenever we have a new episode or we do a special, because we do do specials now from a time every once in a while um you'll be you'll have it in your box so you don't even have to worry about checking us out to see when the new episode is uh, available to listen to and also you can follow us on twitter and you can follow us on snapchat and you can follow us on facebook yeah absolutely and you can listen to us on stitcher itunes soundcloud and on podbean and if you go to tvchanneling.com podbean points to tvchanneling.com so you've got four different ways to listen to us no excuse sounds good <laughs> i'm glad it does <laughs> so, <laughs> so with that kevin was in a in bizarro land probably so with that, <laughs> with that we're going to bid you adieu i'm going to say goodbye from tachi and goodbye from kevin and remember if you're watching it we're talking about it cheers bye